Hello, thanks for joining in and thank you to any replay viewers. So today's topic is Roger Stone uh, and the creeping degradation of the rule of law and democratic institutions in the US as facilitated by the Republican Party uh, whose attempts to ramshackle American democracy are well documented. So Republicans have not only abused the rule of law to try and engage in voter suppression, voter disenfranchisement uh, and sabotage of, of people's ability to vote, just more broadly speaking, uh, as well as blocking attempts to secure America, the integrity of America's electoral system. They're complicit in propping up Donald Trump and propping up uh, his his targeting of judges, his targeting of jurors, uh, his illegal interference with the judiciary system. So as we know, America has some different branches of government, but those differentiations are collapsing under the, the weight of Trump's authoritarian actions and intentions. So a point that was underemphasized by many during the Ukraine scandal was that Trump was violating uh, the separation of powers when he violated the Impoundment Control Act, when he withheld the duly appointed money that Congress, that has the power of the purse, had apportioned for America's, for the advancement of America's geopolitical interests. So that $391 million had been designated by bipartisan acts of Congress to go to military aid for Ukraine to defend them in an ongoing war initiated by Russia for territorial expansion and acquiring fossil fuel asset purposes. Uh, so they'd already acquired Crimea, acquired parts of Donbass and wanted to acquire more parts of Ukraine. That conflict is ongoing. So we are... Harvested Beats is making the point that we all agree that Trump is something, something, but we need to focus on rallying people to rid him. Yes, Harvested Beats, we are, on this channel at least, focused on highlighting underemphasized facts. So something that's underemphasized in the media is that Trump collapsed a distinction between Congress, which should have the power of the purse, and the executive branch, which is not allowed to covertly interfere with that power of the purse. When Trump interferes with the legal system without consequence, he's interfering and collapsing the distinction between the judiciary and the executive branch. So this is the collapse of the purposely separated power, branches of American government, which were initially separated for a reason to provide a, a defense against the development of tyranny. So all of those defenders of the Second Amendment who say our defense against tyranny is our guns are cheerleaders for the collapse of the system of government and collapse of constitutional integrity, collapse of the system of checks and balances. So yes, some judges are pushing back at Trump and his rhetoric. We saw a thousand, was it over 2,000 uh, lawyers sign on, sorry, not just lawyers, former Department of Justice officials sign on to a letter uh, urging William Barr to resign from his position as Attorney General. Uh, this is important because it's not just protests that can help to dislodge Trump. When you're building consensus, you need people who uh, shake stereotypes. You need people who can't readily be dismissed as lazy hipsters or um, or people like me. I'm I'm fairly easily dismissed as uh, as an outsider. So you need insiders, you need reputable, decent people who would ordinarily not speak up. So lawyers are really critical people to look to at this time for standing up for, uh, to highlight the collapse of the American system of government, the collapse of American systems of providing checks and balances against tyranny. Now, one thing to highlight as well, an underemphasized fact, is that when Trump allows wealthy people to effectively purchase pardons, so he gave a pardon to someone whose construction industry 
owning construction company owning family donated $100,000 to Trump's campaign and he then pardoned their their father uh, that it's not just oh, he shouldn't have done that it's very sinister because it's establishing a business model whereby you can commit crimes and then pay Trump money and that's a business cost of committing crimes and you can be pardoned and that becomes a more acceptable gamble for Trump to take and for criminals to take. Thanks, Paul, and thanks, Harvested Beats, for saying that my voice is very important and not to minimise my impact. I hope I do have impact. Thank you. Uh, yes, Trump owes um, millions of dollars to Deutsche Bank, uh, and those loans are backed are likely to be backed by um, Kremlin-supported Russian banks uh, that act through various proxies to um, exercise influence over this p particular political figure, Donald Trump, who is compromised, who is beholden to banks backed by Russian funds. And those Russian funds are derived from... Um, largely criminal activity in that the Russian government is essentially a front for uh, the Russian mafia and that tax money is stolen from the Russian people. Uh, lots of funds are stolen from the Russian people to, to prop up uh, enterprises that are run corruptly, that aren't run uh, with compliance for laws. So, uh, no, we, we block trolls, but you can stay for a little bit because you haven't uh, chanted anything yet. Uh, so it's not appropriate to say that Trump is a great president. If you value the rule of law or um, the separation of powers in the US, if you value stability in America, because something that made America stable and a worthwhile um, place to invest in and for other nations to trade with was reliability. Uh, having a despotic criminal as a leader increases the destabilizing effect uh, because corrupt companies don't uh, might initially turn profits, so you can have some excitement when corruption is succeeding. And the same phenomenon was observed during Nazi Germany. Under Hitler, the German stock markets rose significantly, uh, but they fell ultimately because corruption and uh, tyrannical rule do not engender prosperity, peace, or a stable environment for businesses to prosper in. Um, yes, yeah, so we have more trolls um, talking about questionable pardons from previous presidents. Uh, yes, I'm, I'm a more recent follower of American politics, so I don't speak to Whitewater, other than I know Republicans have instituted many, many thorough and long invest and expensive investigations of um, democratic political figures, but the people of conscience conducting those investigations haven't been able to manufacture any charges that resulted in conviction. Unlike Trump, where many, many of his campaign uh, associates are currently in prison, even Roger Stone, even with that ridiculously reduced sentence of three years and four months and a $20,000 fine, uh, has, yeah, even Roger Stone is going to prison for now until Trump emboldened after his uh, the demonstration of how, how much Republican senators will allow him to violate, to openly violate American laws and um, commit misconduct, he doesn't have to hide it as much anymore. It opens up a lot of lucrative and terrifying uh, business avenues for Trump. He could ask Bill Barr to charge you with a crime so that you had to then ask family members to donate to his campaign in order to buy yourself a pardon or to have the investigation dropped. That is the threat of corruption. When you are, uh, when people can buy their way out, it also means innocent people can be charged in order to derive more income for the corrupt president and his corrupt attorney general. So those are the under discussed talking points of corruption. When Joe Biden, as part of the Obama administration, 
backed by the EU and the International Monetary Fund and various other international organizations, was urging for the firing of uh, Ukrainian Prosecutor General Viktor Shokin. They were saying, Ukraine, you need to help yourself because this prosecutor is, um, his corruption is so evident that foreign investment is restricted to Ukraine because people don't want to invest in corrupt companies where uh, you can't trust their reporting of profit, you can't trust that um, contracts will be awarded to people of merit, you can't trust that, that merit and proper functioning is, is being supported by the functioning of a, of a properly regulated market system. So that's something very important to keep in mind because Trump attempted to increase corruption in the Ukraine by corruptly, secretly requesting uh, the Ukrainian president and uh, trying to appeal to him via his staff members using Trump's private personal lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, to get them to agree, secretly agree, to run a campaign of disinformation about Joe Biden by falsely announcing an investigation into Biden's son, not prompted by any evidence or any revelations of wrongdoing, but prompted by Trump's need to have uh, material that he could talk about in his rallies. So Trump's, um, Trump's corrupt influence on Ukraine is something that's under-discussed as well. He pretends to be a corruption fighter, but he's working on loosening the, the regulations, the American regulations, against American business people acting corruptly overseas. Yes, the very strange thing about it is that Donald Trump uh, has Fox News in his pocket and uh, has Republican senators in his pocket who are supporting him by blocking um, bills to secure American elections. So Trump, this is unusual, but fascism is unusual. It's a novel development for America to have fallen to a totalitarian system of governance whereby the leader is no longer answerable to the public at large. He feels that he's answerable to his base and his actions demonstrate his commitment only to uh, responding to the concerns of people who vote for him. So that's why Trump is more openly flouting conventions such as pardoning in your last month of office because Trump feels that he is immune to scandal and immune to... Uh, electoral reprisals because your votes don't matter to him and your concerns don't matter to him unless you are uh, one of his brainwashed supporters. If your brainwashing looks like it has a crack in it, then Trump will change his position. So if Tucker Carlson says to him and says to Fox News viewers, war with Iran is not a, is not a good thing, then he won't go to war with Iran. But it's only the concerns that are aired on Fox News which will be of any consequence to Trump because that is the self-sustaining, self-perpetuating um, fascist feedback loop for Trump. So, yes, being caught is of less consequence to Trump now that he has gone through the process of being caught, having the evidence exposed and discussed on the national stage and having Republicans still defend um, permitting him to go on committing those type of crimes. Susan Collins said she hoped that Trump had learned his lesson. Uh, wow, I even had some of the Susan Collins vocal inflections then when I said that. She hopes that Trump's learned his lesson and she's been very disappointed so far. So it is still possible to um, make so much noise that it, it perpetuates, uh, no, not perpetuates, that it penetrates even the Fox News bubble. Some of people's concerns have resonated with the type of people who uh, don't broadly read news, perhaps watch some Fox News, and whose world is very much organised into an us-and-them scenario in which them is anybody they're directed by Fox News to resent, and us is people who share demographic characteristics with them who are white and Christian and aspirationally wealthy, even if not actually wealthy. So, yes. So 
Trump becoming president was in itself very dangerous for America because Trump had evaded the law for decades as a corrupt businessman uh, involved in money laundering for various mob-affiliated people. First Italian mob-affiliated people and then Russian mob-affiliated people. So the type of people who only read and watch Fox News and listen to conservative radio might not be aware of how substantiated the evidence is to show that Trump uh, lied and misrepresented his business dealings prior to being elected <laughs> elected through the electoral college system. I'd also like to draw uh, people's attention to the electoral college system because that is the same mechanism that Trump hopes to exploit to succeed in his re-election bid for 2020. Uh, so national polls should only be referenced as a, a measure of encouragement to people to just say, your version of reality is not wrong. It is Fox that is um, gaslighting its viewers. Uh, you're not crazy. He's an unpopular president because he's very criminal. And the Republicans managed to remove some people's anxiety about those crimes. People who said, oh, I'm not sure entirely if the Ukrainian things were crimes, are reassured by Republicans signing off to exonerate Trump. So hearing the phrase over and over again, Trump's exoneration or Trump's acquittal, makes Trump more popular with independents, undecided people in the middle who go, okay then, it's not my job to ascertain the truth in this matter, it's a Republican senator's job, therefore I will trust them. It is a big leap for many people to realise exactly how corrupted the Republican Party has become, how little they are acting in America's self-interest, and how much they have determined to themselves that America's self-interest means promoting the Republican Party at all costs, regardless of the attacks carried out by Vladimir Putin, regardless of the threat to America's ongoing safety because Trump um, is appointing people with no experience to key roles. So, for example, the, the relatively unqualified Richard Grenell, who has no experience, no experience working in the intelligence community, uh, has been appointed acting uh, director of intelligence organizations, acting director of national intelligence, uh, purely because he's corrupt. He is affiliated with Roger Stone. Richard Grinnell is a a despot, a friend to despots, not a friend to uh, the American system of government. Uh, so it's very important to keep emphasizing those facts because it does normalize. Um, corruption and it does lull people into a false sense of security. All right, let's take a little bit of time out to look at the other threat to Americans coming up on the left flank, which is Bernie Sanders and his broad unpopularity with independence and the false idea that um, Bernie would turn out young people, even though his support has been falling in states like um, North Hampshire and uh, Iowa, his support has fallen, but people pay attention to the horse race uh, that Bernie had the most votes, even though the, the moderate vote at this point is still split up between a number of candidates. Bernie has, yes, lost some progressive support to Elizabeth Warren, but uh, yes, the progressive, sorry, the moderate vote is currently split between Bloomberg, Biden, so I should say Biden first, Biden, Warren, no, Biden, Bloomberg, Klobuchar and Pete Buttigieg. So that's a fairly significant split and all of those people have convictions for various reasons. People who support, support Pete go, ah, oh, a young person ticks the box of not being in the heart attack territory as much, uh, who served in the military, so he'll bring on board all of those Fox viewers who claim to love the military. You can't win back those Fox viewers who claim to love the military and Christianity at this point. The brainwashing and the propaganda techniques are finely honed Kremlin brainwashing techniques. They are uh, psychological warfare and you've lost those people. The people that you do can hope to win are independents who aren't attracted to communism, uh, who aren't attracted to a hypocritical avowed socialist who rails against corporations as if they're operated by faceless people and don't employ hundreds of thousands of people. So 
Bernie at least takes the climate crisis seriously, but that's because it fits very easily into his shtick, which is pointing out the flaws of things. Um, not working cooperatively with people to address those flaws has passed an average of 0.025 bills during his time in office as a senator, etc. So we're going to look a little bit at some of a thread about Bernie. Okay, bigger. Can you read that? Can anybody let me know if that's readable on your end? Maybe if I make it entirely fill the screen. All right, so let me know what you think. Uh, but yes, um, Bernie Sanders' Senate biography doesn't report on what he did between the ages of 22 and 39 uh, because after college he lived and worked in an Israeli kibbutz founded by Aaron Cohen, someone who was critical of Israeli policy and was then later arrested for spying for the Soviet Union. Uh, the kibbutz referred to Joseph Stalin as the son of nations and a red flag was flown at outdoor events held at the kibbutz. So he was there as a guest of a Zionist Marxist youth movement which pledged its allegiance to the Soviet Union. Uh, great. Let's open that up a bit more. Uh, the founder of the, the group, the youth movement that sponsored Bernie Sanders' stay on the kibbutz, lamented the terrible tragedy that has befallen the nations of the Soviet Union, the world proletariat and all of progressive mankind upon the death of the great leader and extolled commander, Joseph Vissaronovich Stalin. So idealists nowadays might forget. Oh, look at that. We lower our flag in memory of the great revolutionary fighter, architect of socialist, socialist construction, socialist construction, and leader of the world's peace movement. So, you know, skipping over the millions of people murdered and forced into re-education camps by Stalin. We're talking millions upon millions of people murdered. Um, the uh, famine the, in, in Ukraine that Stalin engineered uh, also killing children in the most protracted and the most awful way possible. Uh, so Stalin is a product of what naive idealists are capable of putting into power. Uh, so it's great to talk about idealism and you shouldn't abandon a quest for justice and what's right. Uh, but Americans' fears of socialism and communism are well-founded. They're often prompted by Republicans to throw the baby out with the bathwater and ignore the fact that American prosperity is built on democratic socialism, a variation of socialism in which you just pull some money from people, uh, collect some money. We need a new word for it. Um, public infrastructure capitalism. <laughs> uh, and that publicly collected money is used for roads, for schools, for police departments, fire departments, and help everybody um, know that they own part of the infrastructure, which benefits everybody. So as I saw um, Elizabeth Warren note yesterday, uh, nobody gets rich without, without that functioning of a publicly funded, publicly paid for infrastructure. So if you're a if you've opened a factory, the roads that you transport your goods on were paid for by the people, paid for by individual taxpayers as well as corporate taxpayers. Um, the public school system, the healthcare system that keeps your workers healthy, the police department that stops bandits from just coming to your factory and disassembling it for its component parts. No, I can't point to a Stalinist policy that Bernie has advocated for in the past decade, but if you're prepared to ignore that his formative years uh, in 1963 uh, were forged in the fires of, of a Stalinist youth camp, and if you think that Republicans won't be able to use that information to deter independents from voting not only for Bernie, but for any Democratic candidates running for office. So Bernie's candidacy as the primary, um, if, if he wins the primaries, would remove uh, the majority, 
the Democrats' majority in the House. So if you support Bernie, you support surrendering whatever power Democrats have in the Congress, in the legislative branch altogether. You give up hope of winning a majority in the Senate, uh, and you're just presuming that Bernie could function as an autocrat like Trump, but Bernie doesn't have a corrupt ring of enablers as Trump has, who will allow him to to get away with collapsing um, the the separation of various branches of government. So yes, we're going to go on. So if you want more recent stuff about Bernie, we can move on. So yes, Bernie Sanders didn't pay child support. You're probably aware of that. He had a child, but he uh, did not have a job when he was younger. Um, Yes, he advocated for civil rights, so that's good. But as a senator, he didn't pass any bills that would have uh, advanced the cause of civil rights in any way, shape or form. Just nothing. Uh, So, oh, in the mid-70s, Sanders produced a glowing documentary. Oh, you can't see this, can you? I have to make this screen bigger. Okay. So here we go. Uh, Sanders produced a glowing documentary on the life of socialist revolutionary Eugene Debs, who was jailed for espionage during the Red Scare and hailed by the Bolsheviks as America's greatest Marxist. A Marxist. Um, so yes, he bashed the barons of Wall Street and hailed the triumphant Bolshevik revolution in Russia. To this day, Sanders continues to hang a portrait of Debs, who ran six times for US president on the Socialist Party ticket on a wall inside his Senate office. So reading that, I'm comfortable in saying that Sanders running for president even now is damaging the prospects of Dems in purple states or red states at a House level. Um, So in 1985, Bernie Sanders defended Nicaragua's suspension of certain civil liberties. Great. He continues with his support for communist regimes. He wants to give power to the people. And it's true, the people need more power. But when you have a communist revolution, people suffer. The people suffer. Everybody suffers. So it's not just business owners who fear Bernie Sanders. It's anybody with a job who fears the impact that a, an avowed socialist, you know, leaning communist supporter would have on the American economy, on the functioning of American businessmen, business, American businesses. That was a sexist slip of the tongue on my part. So, Soviet spy congratulated Bernie on prior election win and met him in his office. That's sweet, isn't it? That was on 1980 in 1983. Uh, so we're getting we're getting more towards the current date. Um Oh, yep. He Bernie Sanders. This is all great material for Republicans in their campaign against a Democratic candidate if that candidate uh, has the misfortune to be Bernie Sanders. So let's have a look at what Sanders said after the Iranian extremists took hostages in 1979 and began a 444-day siege. Sanders, in 1980, aligned himself with a Trotskyist revolutionary entity known as the Socialist Workers' Party. Super. So he could have supported the Socialist Party, the Democratic Socialist Organising Committee, but rejected them and instead embraced a Marxist-Leninist communist sect that proclaimed its solidarity with Iran. Super. Americans really enjoy it when people uh, have solidarity with, um, with Iran after it took hostages. That's a long time for hostages to be taken. Um, oh, sweet. <laughs> Boris Yeltsin and Bernie went shopping together in 1989. Should we look at the actual article? No, we'll keep moving, but if there are any requests, I can go back. Uh, Bernie Sanders thinks people have too many choices. You don't necessarily need a choice of 23 underarm spray deodorants or 18 different pairs of sneakers when children are hungry in this country. So Sanders doesn't understand the, the mechanisms of capitalism, which is fair enough, it can be tricky to understand it, but he shouldn't be running for office for the most 
the country that has the most successful economy in the world, uh, granted the damage that Republicans repeatedly do to the American economy whenever they get in power because they falsely trade off a reputation for being good, prudent economic managers, and yet... Um, I've just seen somebody say they're disappointed with my promotion of baseless smears. Well, let's continue to go through these documented accounts of Sanders' actions. So Sanders created some controversy when he hung a Soviet flag in his mayoral office in honour of Burlington's Soviet sister city, Yaroslavl. During his tenure as mayor, Sanders placed restrictions on the property rights of landlords, set price control, set price controls, and raised local property taxes in order to fund communal land trusts. Further, he named Burlington City softball team the People's Republic of Burlington. And he joined the Soviets' nuclear freeze campaign to undercut Reagan's military buildup. So I'm as big a fan as anybody of putting guardrails on capitalism so that people don't suffer from uh, the effects of under-regulated business, which is when you have, uh, you have to cope with the toxic burden of companies who don't have a conscience or humanity inbuilt into them who will cheerfully pollute things if it increases their profit margin because corporations function like that unless they have uh, a negative consequence keeping them on the straight and narrow. So when you don't have appropriate regulations and, and legislations governing the activities of corporations, then they are driven to maximise profit at the expense of people's health and safety. Uh, and that's why capitalism can generate prosperity, but it's critical for that, that form of capitalism to have enforced laws uh, and well-designed laws as well. And it's an ongoing struggle to keep pace with technological change, as we can see from the under-regulated nature of Silicon Valley businesses, which are currently eroding democracy through running with ad dollars from fascists and avoiding any normal publisher standards like uh, fact-checking or a commitment to promoting only things that are true. I mean, YouTube, if you've heard the news, is going to allow its platforms to feature only pro-Trump ads on the day of the election in November. Yep, so KGB supporting. Oh, shall we watch Sanders in 1987 saying the astronomical cost of single payer would bankrupt America? Let's have a look at that. So what I'll need to do, oh, we can watch it here. That's handy. Let's watch that again. I'm trying to type that down. And so far what I've got is, if we gave everybody a Medicare card, we'd be spending such an astronomical sum of money. we would bankrupt the nation. Wow. Imagine that clip in a All right, so I hope we enjoyed that. 
Did you enjoy that hearing Bernie say if we gave everybody a Medicare card, we would be spending such an astronomical sum of money that, you know, we would bankrupt the nation? So I'm in favour of expanding American healthcare until it becomes universal, such as all of the other industrialised nations around the world, all of which have um, universal healthcare. But at the same time, there are costs to it. It has to be managed well. You can't just have Bernie saying, we're going to instantly do Medicare for all. And, uh, and that's the promise you should hop on my back to support that. Um, imagine the Republicans just running with that admission from Bernie Sanders that just suddenly switching to give everybody a Medicare card would be such an astronomical sum of money that it would bankrupt the nation. So, yeah, we still have a bit of private health care insurance in Australia. I don't love it because uh, conservative governments get into power and try to expand it at the expense of the public health care system. But at the same time, people should be allowed to pay for extra things. It's just you've, you've always got to work hard to make sure that the public is taken care of, that wealthy people don't get to just carve out services just for themselves and try to move the world more to a, a feudalistic society where there are princely people who get their needs met and then serfs who scramble for crumbs at the foot of their table. Uh, so that's, that's important. We'll go back now to the... to more of what Bernie Sanders did. So he also voted, can you believe, against... Um, against the Amber Alert. Let's have a look at that. Okay, he voted against Amber Alert and thought life sentences for repeat child abusers was unconstitutional. And when confronted about it, he walked out. Well, that's... Uh, we haven't touched on yet progressive supporting gun control. I guess this is too much time on Bernie. I'll stop now uh, just because I don't want to overwhelm anybody. How are you guys feeling at the moment? Uh, I hope you're enjoying going through some things that are important because, yes, democracy is under threat from the left flank as well as from the very successful right flank. What I'll do at the moment is talk about how Trump, Trump's idiocy is an electoral asset to him and how we have to combat that at the moment. So... We have to discourage each other from talking about instances where Trump's being obviously stupid because that's very much exploited uh, on the basis of people's resentment of the meritocracy. So Trump's hold on white-collar, non-college educated men probably functions as a consequence of their egos being rubbed the wrong way by the emphasis on America on education. And as education has become more expensive and more out of reach for people without a strong family background, it begins to feel more like a scam to people who don't participate in that system. For all of those still scrambling to compete in it, they're so busy trying to get ahead using that system that they're not necessarily taking a step out and criticizing it in a big picture sense. Uh, so it's very important to see that even as white collar, I'm sorry, not white collar, white, white non-college educated women have uh, started to pull away from Trump a little bit in terms of support for him. White, white non-college educated men are still very much in the Trump camp and their egos would be very reinforced by Trump's rhetoric of you guys are the true elite, you guys have value and his emphasis on the far left to say, oh, oh, look at the far left, they're, they're complaining about things, they don't think America is great. I do. I'm here to tell you positive things about yourself and your country and tell you negative things about your enemy, those elite people. So Trump has a pass to erode American institutions, to erode democracy, to be incredibly tyrannical towards the American people as a consequence of that um, strong electoral support amongst white non-college educated men and many of those women as well. What's important sometimes is to note trajectories that are helpful to you so you can facilitate them and build on them. So the trajectory of decent uh, 
former Republicans speaking up against Trump, we should be amplifying that. I know people often say to look skeptically at Republicans. Sure, keep a skeptical um, frame of mind, but they are their actions are of immeasurable value to the cause of ridding America from totalitarian collapse. So people like Joe Walsh, racist pro-gun person, who has nevertheless found a moral core in himself with which to denounce Trump and Trump corruption. That should be amplified because those voices um, resonate with people at a psychological level because the human mindset is conditioned to look out for outliers. So imagine if you're, you know, prehistoric man walking through, um, walking through the fields and you notice a flash of orange, you're conditioned to notice that thing that you don't expect in your environment. It's a flash of orange. Oh, it's a saber-toothed tiger. Run. So we notice things that are jarring, that are discordant, that don't um, fit neatly into our confirmed pre-existing biases. And it's very important to know that, that we need to amplify those voices that are unexpected, that are jarring to people's narratives. And to the narratives of people listening to Trump, the type of people who start saying, sure, I, I approve of Trump causing his voting approval, I mean, his approval rates to rise in surveys, we need to be resonating with those people so that they vote sensibly. And, and to know that their votes, those independents, that exist in swing states. They exist in all sorts of states, but we need to reach out more broadly to independents because when they do exist in swing states, then know that they carry the, the fate of the election and therefore the fate of the American people and of indeed the citizens of the world on their shoulders. If America, the largest economy and the, and the, um, the greatest superpower in the world, does not have a leader who stops actively sabotaging uh, climate change actions and stops if we don't get a leader who in America who actively who, who isn't actively promoting fossil fuels and um, trying to prop up coal not that Trump does a lot to prop up coal actually he did make concessions to various oil magnates that meant uh, renewable the new renewable energy guarantee um, was scrapped, leaving corn farmers out of pocket because they couldn't contribute to ethanol, etc. anymore. Um, yes, you can say Bernie 2020 here if you like, but it's very misguided. Uh, it would have a negative effect on all of the races for other Democratic candidates running in House and Senate elections because there is a well-founded fear that many Americans still have of socialism and communism. And even as... Uh, more and more people are understanding that democratic socialism has been part of the foundational planks of American prosperity and American flourishing. Socialism itself undiluted socialism where you, you give up private ownership of enterprise and you make everything um, socially owned or publicly owned. Uh, that, that frightens people and for good reason because many people depend for their livelihoods on the flourishing of American capitalism. They, their children's health depends on the appropriate regulation of American capital, uh, capitalism and a lot of people's recognition of that fact would attract them to Bernie and attract them to Elizabeth Warren. I can completely understand the attraction to Elizabeth Warren but at the same time people should be thinking pragmatically pragmatically because this is a fight for the very existence of democracy. This is not your normal Republican versus Democrat fight. This is of consequence for the rest of the world, significant consequence. So uh, when I'm saying people should be pragmatic and people should be cautious, people should be paying significant attention to polls in swing states. I can understand how there's an American quality of stubbornness to say, uh, we won't give way to terrorists, but it's not terrorism. Uh, it's not hostage takers that have taken your electoral college system hostage. That's actually just part of your constitution. That's a built-in uh, system for giving preference to people who live in rural states. And it only comes into play when there's such a significant urban-rural divide that uh, the, the results of the popular vote can be overturned by the electoral college results. 
and that's what happened in 2016 and it's what will very likely happen again in 2020, which is why Democratic candidates have to be campaigning not for a popular vote win, but for a swing state win as well as a popular vote win. Uh, so it's very important not to just talk about Trump's corruption, malfeasance and um, eroding of democracy because that's still a negative message and people are still attracted to strong, positive alpha male alpha messages. And I say alpha male actually advisedly because people in swing states have not um, shaken off sexism as much as people in, the, in, in bluer states have. So don't project your own freedom from sexist worldviews or a sexist colouring of your worldview of viewing women's empowerment and success as somehow a threat to men's uh, dominance and men's success. Um, people in swing states, not everybody, but it's more likely to be a significant number of people who fear that men lose status, privilege uh, and public sympathy when feminism and feminist worldviews are more elevated. Yes, Stone should definitely be doing at least nine years, but Stone's crimes involved committing crimes to protect the president from exposure for his crime of colluding with Russia. Uh, colluding with a, an American adversary in order to put a leader in place who was beholden to the Russian government, who therefore will make decisions at the behest of the Russian government, decisions that don't benefit America relative to Russia, and who will try and keep up a pretense for as long as he can that he's not acting in that way, but as more and more people... Um, as more people become accepting of Trump and as Republicans rubber stamp his activities, people maybe become convinced that what's right for Russia is what's right for America. Certainly Trump supporters have shown uh, a change over time. If they were Republicans before, they now think Russia's great. Yes, uh, Trump pardoning Roger Stone will be a further example of the way in which Trump is a criminal who is rapidly destroying American institutions and the rule of law in America. Uh, but yes, I'm still arguing for Americans not to have electoral college amnesia, to, to please pay attention to swing states to, and to the Democratic candidates that have the largest lead against Trump in swing states. Because if it's a lead of plus two, that's insufficient to overcome the effect of people under-reporting to pollsters their support for Trump, uh, any electoral sabotage that Republicans at a state level managed to do to promote the success of their Republican candidate, um, interference such as perhaps not passing on um, absentee votes, any of the kind of shenanigans that occurred in North Carolina North Carolina in the election cycle of Mark Harris, whose election victory was ultimately voided because his cheating techniques were exposed. But those techniques could still be occurring in, occurring in any number of um, Republican-governed states. We don't know the extent. We do know that we have to swarm the ballot and also have a candidate who uh, doesn't just, generally speaking, um, inspire enthusiasm, but who inspires people in swing states. Sorry, I don't take instructions from internet trolls, but thanks for your feedback about my interest in American politics. I would advise you that my understanding of and appreciation for the issues at play in American politics is far greater than that of many, many Americans. Uh, just proportionately speaking, I would say quite a lot. So, for example, I understand the damage done to American democracy by the Citizens United decision by the Supreme Court in 2010. I understand the damage done to the safety of American people, to the increase in the homicide rate after the Supreme Court's decision in 2008, Scalia's interpretation, or rather misinterpretation, of the Second Amendment, ignoring its reference to a well-regulated militia, to which historically speaking, referred to the, the volunteer army that was created by 
the founders, the founding fathers, in order to defend America at low cost because they couldn't afford to pay for a freestanding army and instead the volunteer army had to pay for their own weaponry and the amendment legalising their right to do so, to purchase weapons for their participation in a volunteer, well-regulated militia, was the Second Amendment. Uh, So that was misinterpreted by Anthony Scalia to mean that people should have weaponry of their own choosing in order to defend their homes and property. Uh, Of course, that's a very, um, often a very white supremacist-associated approach when you defend when you elevate the defense of property above human life and often occurs amongst people who fear the poverty, the induced poverty of African-Americans who were freed from slavery but weren't uh, rewarded, um, who weren't compensated in any way, who were released from imprisonment but weren't given land or property or any way to suddenly... Uh, build themselves a livelihood from nothing. So they lost their sources of sustenance, i.e. their slave masters who might feed them whilst um, benefiting from their unpaid labour, but but uh, freed slaves were not instantly given jobs or the ability to derive income or produce food for themselves. So that um, introduction to poverty, that uh, entrenched being behind the eight ball when uh, white migrants from Europe were given tracts of land to support themselves, to give them an opportunity to um, practice farming and derive an income. Uh, um, so yes, they were freed, as Martin Luther King from slavery said, from slavery to to starve in the streets. So that being behind the eight ball, that absence of intergenerational wealth, um, is something that's been perpetuated by ongoing um, discriminatory practices such as redlining, meaning drawing a red line around districts predominantly populated by African-Americans so that nobody living in those areas could obtain a home loan. Just a way of formalising people at the bank. Instead of having to look at you and say, oh, I have to think of a reason why I can't give you a home loan, they just made it easy for banks to do that and compelled banks to do that through this use of maps, uh, highlighting districts where black people lived so that those people wouldn't ever have a chance to build wealth through uh, mortgages and the acquisition of property, which is a significant way, the main way that the American individuals in the American Republic build, build wealth that they can then leave to their families through the appreciation of, prop- of purchased property. So Yes, I understand a significant amount of things about American politics. I understand some of the factors at play psychologically in that people who are unwilling to educate themselves or or are unacquainted with these long-standing practices of discriminating economically against people of colour, specifically black Americans, uh, depriving them of the ability to purchase property, to take out a mortgage and to trade in their to be rewarded for character attributes such as conscientiousness, um, you know, saving money from your from your job and putting aside money. Other people who have savings can point to those savings and take out a mortgage. People of colour couldn't purely because they resided in redlined districts which forbid banks to grant loans to people residing in those areas, thus consigning generations of people to poverty uh, and to limited opportunities to pull themselves up by the bootstraps, as it were. Those bootstraps were cut by redlining scissors. No, I'm not in the USA, but I am well-educated. I am an autodidact on matters of significance to American politics. And what is more, I am facilitated by the fact that I'm not defensive about this. I don't have some kind of self-protective ego mechanism working that blinds me to the realities of America's historical practices, Um, discriminatory practices. That means some people just fear black people because they also fear poverty and they fear and resent poverty. And more than that, they use the existence of impoverished people to um, feed their own sense of superiority. So discrimination against people of colour is also a way in which white people have told themselves that they are better and that they that their successes are self-derived and that people of color are never going to amount to anything and that there's some kind of fundamentally provable racial hierarchy when in fact it's arbitrary the disparities in wealth are often a product of 
discriminatory practices. So it's a self-perpetuating cycle. Um, racism that makes people feel good about themselves by through the act of disparaging and looking down on people of a, a visibly different racial background has also caused people to devise racial policies, which has perpetuated um, the financial outcomes uh, and and lack of opportunity, relative dearth of opportunity for those people. So perpetuating that um, artificially maintained racial hierarchy in which some people get to look down their noses at others and support them, cheer them up, keep them functioning in their day-to-day -day lives because they think, yes, I need my guns to protect my property from thieves, people with less than me who want to take what I have. You'll notice it's often um, people in the South uh, where racism is still more of a factor than it is sometimes in, place in northern states, although I'm not ruling out racism as being a significant factor at play in northern states also. But there's been more residual racism, I could argue strongly, in the South, which also had to contend with the, the ego damage caused by losing the Civil War, a war engaged in to protect the right of southern states to continue owning slaves, uh, to continue owning human beings, uh, owning their children and selling off their children and family members as they saw fit. Thank you. Well, Kyle gave a compliment, so I hope we haven't blocked Kyle because he, he or she said that I am knowledgeable for which recognition I thank you. <laughs> um, yes, you can argue that it's narcissism that has led me, an Australian, to acquaint myself with the dynamics of American politics and American socio-cultural economics uh, dynamics more broadly speaking, but it's an unusually stretchy argument. <laughs> I would argue that it's not narcissism, it's an instinct for not only self-preservation but familial preservation uh, because as someone interested in uh, a livable biosphere, I understand the jeopardy that Trump and Trump supporters are placing the rest of our existence in because of the very limited time frame we have to reduce uh, carbon emissions and even more significantly at the moment, methane emissions as well. Actually, no, both of them, carbon and methane emissions. The amount of greenhouse gases being emitted currently mean that um, certain tipping points are being reached in the biosphere, such as the melting of methane, frozen methane lakes, uh, which are then releasing more natural methane into the air, compounding the natural heat trapping effects of the carbon gases greenhouse gases released as a byproduct of industrialized human activity. So we are setting off tipping points that will exponentially expand the warming effect of the gases we've already released. That's a very short uh, time frame opportunity that we have to try and turn the situation around by ceasing to subsidize fossil fuel industries with billions of dollars worth of public money. Because we do effectively have something uh, that amounts to corporate socialism. So it's I'm all on board with Americans fearing the functioning of communism. Communism is a system that essentially facilitates tyranny. Um, you have leaders who become unanswerable to the people. It's, it's an, when idealism makes its way or becomes a dominant force in politics, then you have an idealized leader often who people can't question, who people can't explain things to. So for example, when Mao um, was using a theory of evolution called Lamarckism that said, oh, um, a giraffe stretching its neck is something that then causes the offspring of the giraffe to inherit a longer neck. Um, they tried that with plants and it resulted in mass crop failure. But Mao's, um, the people reporting to Mao did not wish to inform him of that fact because he was a supreme leader. So instead they um, fake newsed it. They painted wooden vegetables and they said, your, your new crop technologies have been a massive success and millions upon millions of Chinese people starved to death. I'll also add that Mao, in his interest in trying to look good and compete with Western nations, also diverted a lot of agricultural workers away from agricultural work into steel manufacturing production so that he could say, look how modern we are, we're, we're making the steels. Uh, and again, 
that absence of agricultural workers from their industries facilitated mass famine and mass death. So, yes, communism lends itself to unaccountable tyrants who, even if they want to do the right thing, Mao wanted to uh, help promote agriculture and wanted to help promote Chinese industry and promote a China-first approach. He inadvertently killed millions upon millions of people and most people understand that, that you can't um, give way to overly idealistic, non-pragmatic leaders who want to bypass the normal way of getting things done in democracies, who, who want to bypass normal mechanisms of accountability. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Yes, the Roger Stone sentence was a travesty. And yes, Trump is likely to pardon his co-conspirator, whose crimes are effectively lying to Congress, lying to investigators, uh, to protect Trump by concealing evidence of his collusion with Russia via WikiLeaks, which receives Russian assistance and help. And yes, it's all a terrible frightful uh, degradation to the rule of law in the US. And we hope that enough decent people will be motivated on an ongoing basis to speak out uh, against what's happening because corruption and incompetent rule ultimately disadvantage everyone. So the more we can come together to highlight and amplify messages about the consequences of Trump's behavior for ordinary people, the sooner we can build a critical mass of people in swing states needed to uh, succeed in ousting him from office and ousting all of the Republicans who have gone down such a rabbit hole of corruption uh, and ways of behaving that are antithetical to the public interest that they should no longer have access to decision-making abilities or decision-making functions for the American people. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoy.